0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Just this once, just this once, Abraham kind of sheepishly comes up to God like a kid asking for cookies of his father before dinner. Just this once, God, please don't get mad at me, but can you do me a solid here? Uh, Herb Cohen was once known as the world's greatest negotiator. Anybody ever heard of Herb Cohen? I read a biography about this guy recently, and it was hilarious. Herb Cohen was somebody who could negotiate his way out of anything, He was able to broker all sorts of deals. He helped with the the hostage crisis, the Iran uh, crisis in the 80s with the hostages. He helped with um, NFL and MLB strikes. He even once talked his way out of being expelled. The guy was an incredible negotiator from the time that he was very young. And he calls this, Abraham talking to God, history's first negotiation. (laughs) And Herb Cohen says, Abraham got a great price. (laughs) Here he comes before God and says to him, Okay, God, I know that I've got no business talking to you. You're God, and you've decided that you're going to wipe Sodom and Gomorrah off the map. Great choice, as usual, God. But, you know, what if we had 50 righteous people? God says, Okay, for 50 righteous people, I won't won't wipe them away. And Abraham's like, Sheesh, you know, I didn't really take a count Um, say we're missing five of those. God says, for 45, I won't do it. Do I hear 40? I won't do it for 40. And down all the way he goes. Finally, he gets to 10 people. For 10 righteous people, God, surely you wouldn't wipe them all away. God says, no, I wouldn't. And Abraham is a man who knows how to, uh, you know, quit while he's ahead, right? He says, all right, we'll just stop. Right there. But you know, it raises a question for me. Abraham himself admits that he is but dust and ashes. That harkens back to what we talked about last week. Dust you are, to dust you shall return. He's a mere mortal, a sinful man. What business does he have negotiating with God Almighty? the whole thing seems just a little bit dirty, doesn't it? Like, really? You're going to have this kind of of back and forth with God? And so the question I want to take up tonight is this. Why does God put up with it? Why does God permit Abraham to negotiate with him? I think that as we reflect on this question and think through different ways that we might answer it that it will lead you and me to a deeper understanding of the privilege that we have in prayer. So why does God put up with him? Why does he let Abraham negotiate with him this way in such a a crass and crude sort of way? Well, one answer that could be given is that, you know what? God's just humoring him. He's just kind of toying with Abraham here and saying, okay, yeah, go ahead, let's hear it. What do you got? Give me all of your, your reasons there. But he, he doesn't really have any intention of actually listening to him, of actually answering, responding to his prayer. So the one answer that's given is that he's just toying with them. And you know what? There's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for that answer. Reason being, God is the almighty creator. He is El Shaddai. All things are at his disposal, are they not? Psalm 115 says that our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Whatever he pleases. If he wants to play Abraham like a chess piece, he can do it. He's God. He's the all-powerful one. So maybe he's just humoring Abraham. Maybe he's simply toying with him. What do you think? I say no also, (laughs) you're just shaking your heads. Because is our God, no offense to my 10-year-old boys in the congregation here, but is our God a 10-year-old boy with a magnifying glass looming over an anthill? Sometimes people might have this idea that God is just cruel and capricious, saying, okay, when can I just smite the little buggers, right? That's not the heart of your God. He is indeed almighty and all-powerful. But he is neither cruel nor capricious. That's not the way that he acts or operates. And so to this question, why does God put up with this negotiation with Abraham? We have to reject the answer that says, well, he's just touring with him. He's He's merely humoring him. That's not it. Okay, so then what? Well, a second answer that can be given... Is that okay? So he's not humoring him, he's not toying with him, but perhaps God is just obligated to him. He's obligated to listen to, to put up with. Abraham's prayer. I mean he's kind of contractually bound to it. He's the God of the universe. And so it's just right there, you know, in his stipulations, okay, as God, maker of all things, create in six days rest on the seventh day, listen to everybody's prayers. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, it's right there, right? It was in the fine print, but it's there in God's contract. If he's gonna be con if he's gonna be God, if he's gonna be the Almighty One, he has to put up with it. Well, to put it that way, of course, it sounds ridiculous. But what if we were to reframe it just a little bit? God is not contractually obligated, but Scripture does use another C word that's somewhat related to this, and that's the word covenant. Now, covenant is just a a fancy way of saying a promise, really. God is a covenant-making God. He's a promise-making God. And you think about his relationship with Abraham in particular. You guys remember the story of Abraham or Abram as he used to be known? God calls Abram out of Ur. He says, you're my chosen guy. And through you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. You're my dude, Abram. You have a special relationship with me. And so Abram's got to be thinking, okay, surely there are some fringe benefits with being this chosen one, right? That I get to bend the ear of God Almighty. He must be obligated at least to listen to that. And so I think there's something to this, this idea that, that God binds himself. But I think it goes too far to say that God is merely obligated to Abraham or to any of us. We have to go back to that first answer and remember that, again, God is perfectly free. He's perfectly free, right? He cannot be coerced. He cannot be forced. God in his freedom acts purely out of that. We can't just, like, bend his arm and God, until God finally says, Uncle, Uncle, all right, if that's what you want. He's free at any time to walk away from the bargaining table, if you will. If something is going to happen, it happens because God wants it to happen. He's not merely obligated. But then that gets us to one more answer to this question. Why does God put up with Abraham? Why does he allow himself to be negotiated with like this? If nothing happens apart from God wanting it to happen, then the logical conclusion is simply this. God allows Abraham to negotiate with him because he actually wants him to. And this is a remarkable thing that the God of the universe would invite, indeed, encourage his creatures, his people, to come to him, to pray to him, to plead with him, yes, to barter with him. Martin Luther says, make no mistake, God is not offended by Abraham's persistence. He's pleased with it. God is pleased with the persistence of Abraham. In this respect, Abraham is a model for any and for all of us in the life of prayer. And this is just Jesus' point in the parable that we also heard. Jesus says, I want you to come to me and not to lose heart. Why does he need to say that? Because Jesus knows that this life is hard. And that the temptation is for you and me to offer up a prayer, to shoot something up to the the Father's throne once, and to say, well, I gave that a shot. Now let's go back to figuring out my own self, how I'm going to solve these problems. (laughs) But what Jesus is calling you and me to, what the Father is inviting us to, is to pray to him, not just this once. See, And that's the irony here, is that Abraham thinks that God is is kind of a miser with his mercy and that he's going to make him mad if he keeps coming to him. The exact opposite is the case. It delights God's fatherly heart for his children to come with all boldness and confidence again and again and again to just keep rapping on his door. Uh, God, uh, yeah, I've got another thought here. Dad, I uh, I have to ask you about this. Father, Father, Abba, Abba, I've got another prayer. God is up there with his ears and heart wide open for your calls whenever they come, morning, noon, night. This is the, the promise and the prospect that we have in our Lord, that he is always there to welcome our persistence. And it strikes me that there's another reason along with this why he is pleased with that pleading of Abraham, that negotiation on behalf of others. Because Abraham ultimately points forward to the one righteous one. Abraham says, if there's even ten righteous ones in this town, will you wipe them away? Well, we know how the story ends, and apparently there weren't ten. Indeed, there is only one righteous one. Your Savior, Jesus. And when he was hanging from the cross, what was he doing? He was pleading for you and for me. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus is the one righteous one for whose sake God has spared all the world. And make no mistake, your savior is still at the heavenly father's throne pleading for you over and over and over again. Before the throne of God above, he persists. This is the privilege then of prayer, that you are invited to follow in the footsteps not merely of Abraham, but of your Lord Jesus. And that when you stand between the heart of your Savior and the broken heart of the world, You are in a privileged place. You are able to stand there and to rap on the door of heaven and to beg and to plead and to pray, Father, hear us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Over and over and over again. What a deal. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.